Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish on First podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, the founder of Fish on First at the end of the first season of Fish on First, first Marlins season of it. I'm coming to you from the dark, wearing my winter beanie because we are about to enter the uh, cold winter of the baseball offseason at the Marlins getting swept by the Philadelphia Phillies in the National League wildcard series. Fresh off of that, reacting to the 7-1 loss, Kevin Barral, Alex Krutchik, Alex Carver, Louis Adio-Weiss. Once again, I start with Krutchik and his uh, mood meter, and I think that we marked it in the appropriate place here, right? Because even though it is so over for this team, it is what it is. They went up against a better Phillies team. They lost, lost back-to-back games against them by a combined score of 11-2. to It was lopsided, but... But Krutchik, is that a fair assessment that they just were beat by a better team at this stage of the season? I would have moved it along the x-axis all the way to the left to be as unpleasant as possible. And then I would have had that x bordering on it is what it is and it's so over because it is over. Um, But it also is what it is because a lot of this team is under – a lot of the piece – a lot of the big pieces around this team, and we'll talk about it later – are still going to be here next year. There's still a couple question marks here and there that I'm sure we'll get into either today or in a future pod. But for the most part, a lot of the guys that helped get them to where they are today will be back next year, and they are on the right side of their prime. 
Um, and I'm excited about that. And I'm sure Kim is going to cook just like she did last off season. Uh, and then they're bringing back the same coaching staff that seemed to work so well this year. So as of right now, at the very beginning of the off season, I'm going to say that I, I I'm optimistic going into next year. So it is what it is. To get into this game a little bit, we could go to Kevin on this. What was the moments in this game where you felt it really got away from the Marlins? They trailed throughout. Obviously, they didn't score or single run until the very last moment. If you could pinpoint one moment where you really thought that they it was out of reach, what would you pick on? Bryson Stott, Grand Slam. I think, I, you know, Miami's been able to come back in so many of these games this year and um, you know, 3-0, that's fine. I mean, Miami almost came back from that, I guess, last night, if you, if you want to say, although the bats were basically dormant. But tonight kind of felt like the same, but it kind of felt a little bit better. Aaron Nola was on the mound, and usually this Phillies bullpen kind of gives up a lot of leads, so he kind of felt pretty good there. Um, yeah, uh, I would say the Bryson Stott Grand Slam. I didn't expect it to happen, given Nardi was on the mound. He's, he's pretty successful for the most part, but yeah. They get the bases loaded, one out. Infielders in at the corners, and Stott drives one to right. That's deep, that is gone! A grand slam for Stott! The brink just broke. Um, I think Crutcher said it right. It kind of it is what it is, and, you know, we, we kind of have to accept that this team made the playoffs when they weren't supposed to. This team outperformed the Mets, the Padres, the Yankees, all these really, you know, high-money spending teams, if that's what you want to say. And they made the playoffs. And at the end of the day, they, they just – Miami kind of matched up against the wrong opponent for them, the Phillies. Uh, you kind of look back now at the at the other wild card. If Miami would have been the sixth seed, maybe they would have been in a game three with Milwaukee. Maybe they would have taken the first two. But, um, yeah, uh, just a tough series for Miami. So, Lair, Jazz, once again, struggled tonight. Um, little surprise that they took out Rocks that early in the game. Um, Skip tried to manage his way through that one. He tried to get through it, but just, uh, I guess, taking out Brax a little too early wasn't the right move there. And, um, yeah, just tough night overall. Again, Phillies are a damn good team. We have Harper, Turner, Schwarber, Real Muto, who had the homer, Stott, who had the grand slam. That team is really good from top to bottom. Very, a lot of depth. And, and, and I was talking to Lewis, and it's just like, it kind of feels like the luck finally kind of ran out for Miami. Miami is one of the luckiest teams to make the playoffs. I mean, negative 50-something run differential. This team came back from so many games. They won so many one-run games. It, it kind of felt like at some point, as Craig Mish calls it, the, the, the Miami voodoo or the voodoo magic kind of ran out there. So, yeah, uh, just a tough night overall. And let's see. Um, and, and I think Crutchick is right. Kind of feel good about next season. A lot of pieces still staying here. He's still have Arise, still have Berger. We'll see if Bell opts in. Jazz is still here. DLC and Sanchez are here, and obviously we'll have a lot of off-season pods, and I assume we'll touch up on that at the end of the podcast. Yeah, um, I mean, when you can you surmise their season through the lens of like all the like highs and lows? I mean, we talk about like the way they struggled post All Star break. You could kind of see that, like obviously, like and looking underneath the hood of like you know how their bullpen was performing at several points this year by way of the expected stats and just how they were constantly being outscored in games that they weren't winning the luck and one run games. I mean, winning a, ma a vast majority of your games by one run 
like win- winning 33 of 46 games by one run is just about as sustainable as it is to lose that many games by one run over the course of the season. Um, and it's pretty average to play about 40 or so games that are decided by one or fewer by one run or so. But so you could again, it's, it's just an example of like them, you know, like, you know, a lot of those games, they come back and win. They're against, I would not necessarily inferior competition. There was a game earlier this year where they gave up a lead again or they were down 4-0 against Atlanta, came back and won. In Atlanta, um, there was that obviously the, the, game Yankees. the Yankees, the game against the Cardinals, like where like you kind of just went in with no expectations, and then like the the surprise on it all was like they actually did that um, by way of some misfortunes to the other teams. Obviously, Jordan Hicks throwing a ball away. I mean, he guy got eliminated today too in the Toronto series with Minnesota. But there, there's just several facets to the to faking it until you make it, but they were never going to make it this year. I, I mean, realistically, gun to all of our heads, if you asked all of us if we thought this team was going to even threaten to go to the World Series, I think we'd all very likely say no, because you look at the roster as a whole, and it's flawed. Like, your two best offensive players are imperfect in their own ways, albeit they're additions that needed to be made that got them to that point, but... There's just a lot. There were just like, you know, it felt like they arrived a year too early. But, it, but, and, you know, I'm not even going to come out and say, like, I'm excited for next year. I mean, I am to an extent, but I ha- I don't really have an opinion as to what this team's future fortunes look like when I consider the fact that, like, you know, you're going to likely be without your best pitcher for the vast majority of next year. Who knows what bats are going to be back. And, does the organization, you know, you now you have Kim Ang, who's essentially a free agent as well. Do they go out and make the commitment to her to see what she's done to win on the margins and say, I like what you're doing. We're going to keep you here long term. And then does she then get a bigger kind of budget to play with to supplant the roster with better players? It's a lot of that remains to be seen. So like, like, it's still going to be a transitionary offseason for this team, no matter what. We just kind of have to let the offseason play out. But I don't want to um, deter Marlin fans, who are likely baseball fans in general, too, to not watch the playoffs just because your team's not in it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I mean, this Phillies team is fun. They remind me a lot of like the bad boy Pistons from the late 80s and the early 90s for you basketball fans there. Like, they just, just kind of have that, like, they're annoying, but they're they're annoying because they're good and they do many things very well that kind of just get in your way. But watch the rest of the postseason, even if the Marlins aren't in it. I mean, you're probably going to be watching some guys who the Marlins could target in the offseason that could help this team in future years. So I don't really have a, an opinion on them going forward, but I, as far as how I feel about them losing, I kind of, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised either way if they won in three games or if they lost in the two that they did. But you kind of just saw a better team kind of win out in a smaller series. And uh, I felt like that would have happened if it were a five-game series, too. But, you know, just appreciate the season that you did have. And, and I like on. that you highlighted, and, and I like that you highlighted, Lewis, the fact that there's still uncertainties because Solaire, who knows if he'll come back. I mean, that's the big one there. Obviously, struggled big time in the playoffs. I, I think most of us expected him to be the big bat of this team in the playoffs. And, just the, the, you know, how good he was entering this, this postseason. And uh, they're still, still don't know the, what the pitching staff could look like. You know, Sandy, Yuri, uh, we expect Yuri to be back. Like, how long, for how long will he be pitching next season? Will Kim be the GM? Uh, I know I'm reiterating a couple of your points, but it's just points that need to be reiterated because there's still a lot of uncertainty with this team. And obviously, that's for the offseason. We're talking about tonight and just brutal night. Uh, just another way to say it. Another thing I like that he brought up is the fact that the postseason is continuing. Eight teams left. We now have our field of eight. They're still up heading into the division series. The Orioles, the Rangers, the Twins, the, um, the Astros in the American League, and the National League, obviously the Phillies and the Braves. They That's going to be a fun rematch between those two. Then the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. Carver, between those eight teams, was there anyone in particular that you'd feel satisfied with winning it all or are there any particular that you're really rooting against moving forward geez i would say that the team that i'm rooting for is the orioles uh i just think that's such a fun team full of that young talent that they have uh so cool to see just such a young team that's such it's such in their infancy of building up the team that they have make it as far as they have so if i had a team to root for now that the marlins are out of course if i had a team that i'm rooting for it's uh it's the orioles but if i had to pick a team to win everything I don't think he could root against the Braves. I don't think he could root against the Dodgers. Uh, if I had to give it to one team, I would probably say it's probably going to be the Atlanta Braves. Um, I, I know we all don't like, don't like to hear that because we're Marlins fans. Everybody listening is likely a Marlins fan or at least right there with being a Marlins fan. Man, the, the Bra- that Braves team is so scary good. Um, it's it's There's really not a hole in that team. They, they do it right. They have the pitching. They have the hitting. And they're clutch, and they're damn good. So I'm not going to bet against the Atlanta Braves to, to, to do it all, I, but I, I hope it is the Orioles. And it's team that you didn't mention, uh, the, the Diamondbacks kind of fall into that sim, similar, kind of in a similar boat to Miami where just two seasons ago they were really freaking bad. They lost over 100 games, if I'm correct, this past season. You know, this last season, 2022, they kind of, kind of showed off, like, you know, they've got their pieces. Corbin Carroll is now here. Zach Allen kind of turned himself into one of the best pitchers in, in baseball. And you have Merrill Kelly. And I'm excited to see what they'll do against uh, the Dodgers. Definitely a team that they've beat before. And I think they could definitely beat this time around. Um, 
I believe they have Merrill Kelly on the mound for game one since Gallon pitched tonight. And um, LA will have probably Clayton Kershaw, if I had to guess, Phil, your boy, Lewis. So, yeah, that's a team I'm definitely rooting for. Twins, you got to root for. Pablo's on that team. Uh, I, I think they have a good chance against the Astros. Uh, you have Carlos Correa there. Can't go wrong there, but yeah, we'll see. Just should be a fun, 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 a lot, a lot, a lot of fun series coming up here for sure. A quick rundown of Marlins connections for these teams remaining with the D-backs, as you already touched on Zach Gallen being the ace of that team. And he did, he did decently well in his postseason debut as we're recording this tonight to help the D-backs advance. The, the Dodgers obviously have Mickey Rowe among others, but most prominently Mickey Rowe, we assume is going to have some role on their team for them. The twins, Pablo Lopez um, on the, on the Phillies, as we saw firsthand, JT Real Muto is still very much one of the better catchers in all baseball. That home run that he hit in in this game, too, man. I didn't I didn't remember that catchers can do that. That catchers were allowed to hit the ball that hard. The Marlins have been deprived of that for ever since that he left. But with the yeah. Orioles, they're managed by Brandon Hyde, who was a coach in the Marlins organization for quite a while before getting that first managerial job. And he went through some shit for years in Baltimore. He was there for their first for a couple of hundred loss seasons, and now has made out the other end. So we'll see uh, how that goes. But those are some more prominent connections. That we have double A double A champ for the Jacksonville Suns, right? Brandon Hyde, I believe yeah. so. And yeah, at least uh, uh, no, super and- cool. That that team that team's going to be super good for a long time. Um, but just something else to point out that that wasn't mentioned yet, Eli. Not to go back too far, but just something else to point out really quickly is um, you you were asking Kevin about you know a, a point that he saw this game turn. I mean, when you, when you the game against the Phillies tonight, of course, when you see. 12 of 13 go down in order. That's pretty tough. And then you lead off the fifth with that jazz strikeout. And man, I'm not going to put it on the umpires because clearly it's not all on them. The Marlins had their chances tonight. They didn't take advantage of it. There was an issue, of course, with, you know, well, not an issue, but there was, there was, you know, you saw the, the, the regression of the bullpen, right? You saw Robertson struggle and Nardi gives up a grand slam, right? So, I mean, there was regression to the mean, of course, all throughout the lineup, but man, when you see it and you see the calls, I mean, last night at least, yes, the umpire was bad, and we all know that the umpire was bad last night. But when you see it tonight, and it's Nola getting calls so far off the plate, especially to the corners, and then literally the Marlins have to be pinpoint in the zone to get calls, that's, that's tough to deal with. And that jazz at bat, like, what is the guy going to do, right? Like he had an emergency swing to protect, to foul the ball off, and then he gets two called strikes that are well off the plate, and it's really tough to deal with leading off an inning. Uh, again, it's not all on the umpires. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to sound like a sore loser. Yeah, it's all, all the umpires. I'm not saying that. But, man, they were a factor tonight for sure. And they definitely – I'm sure when we see the ump scorecard tomorrow, it's going to favor the Phillies a lot. So that's all I'll say on the umpires. But, yeah, the Marlins had their faults tonight. They're out for a reason. Uh, that's not just the umpires. But if there's a reason that you can point to, in addition to the Marlins' struggles tonight, the umpires definitely favored Philadelphia. I mean, when you <laughs> – that would be good. That was funny. And then when you look at last night, umpiring that they were the worst by just missed calls i believe if i recall i think there was a post on twitter and i think isaac sends us something from tiktok that they were the worst umpiring crew last night and probably going to be the worst one tomorrow when they look back at all the the percentages as you said but yeah just really tough night and 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 again i just got got to get your thoughts just all of you guys just would you let braxton go another inning probably save Robertson from going three innings there because I think that's the big discussion there. You, you let Robert, Robertson try to go three 
and you don't let Braxton try to go another one, like, yeah, kind of weird there. Yeah, that was something that I was confused about because Braxton gave up two runs in three innings, and I just wonder what Skip's expectation was out of Braxton because two runs in the first three innings is not bad at all, especially considering those first two innings were pretty solid. It wasn't one of those Edward Cabrera starts where he looks really shaky in the first inning, but he gets out of it. And then he looks really shaky in the second inning, then he gets out of it. And then he finally gives up two runs in the third. Like Braxton looked really good in the first couple innings, looked shaky in the third. He's been your most consistent, trustworthy starter all year. I would have absolutely let him go at least another inning. Uh, at that point, he had only faced the top half of the lineup twice. He hadn't faced the middle or the end of the lineup twice. I say let him go through that and and see if he can get through that. And then to bring in Robertson, who actually didn't do too bad because he pitched two innings, so he gave a one run and two innings, which is still not great. But to do it in that spot where you were only down 2 nothing. And then it becomes an even bigger lead for the Phillies at that point. I, I don't know, I don't know why it was why he was pulled in the third, and I don't know why Robertson was the first guy out. If you are going to do that, and obviously we'll, we'll discuss this as we go, but in the offseason, but really Robertson kind of had a pretty nice finish to his time with the Marlins. I will say, I know he gave up the homer tonight, but um, kind of in that sixth inning role, fifth inning when he need him, he he looked pretty good. I, I, I'm not the one. I'm not gonna. I don't know what people will think, but man, maybe bringing back Robertson on a cheap one-year deal wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Veteran presence. I already see Eli laughing there, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's a fit. Even if it's a talent, even if the talent could help. I don't know if it's a cultural fit, just based on what we've been able to surmise from him. I, I have that. seen. Sorry, I've seen that man smile twice. Um, during his time in Miami. Uh, the first time was when the Mets came back to town, and the second time was tonight uh, when the Marlins were four innings away from getting eliminated. So, yes, I do not think that it is a fit. But even if it was, Kevin, you're not wrong that he actually did kind of do well in, in, in his new role, kind of like Anthony Bass did. The thing is, and I was right when I said this about, <clears throat> about Anthony Bass a couple years ago, you can find those kind of guys anywhere. Like David Robertson's, what, 38? 37, you don't know what he's going to do next yeah, year. You don't know how he's going to pitch next year. You can find plenty of guys out there that can give you a good seventh inning. So I don't I don't think you need to bring Robertson back. I don't think like ever I don't think he ever expected Robertson to finish the inning. I just looked it up, guys. David Robertson has never pitched three innings completely <laughs> in a big league game ever. The last time he pitched in parts of three innings of a game was June of last year. Like, uh, I mean, he he had two games this year of two of two innings. He's done it 33 times in 16, 17 years. I guess maybe your skip's thinking he has the playoff experience, so let's just ride the experience. But why are you trying to get a third inning of a guy who's so seldom done it and in such a long career? Like, it, like, this is what I mean. Like, I mean, listen, like, to be honest, I probably would have made a mistake out there myself and looked more like an asset than than the team did as collectively in these two games. But I I still just think some of the decision making if I skip this series just in this game in particular was just like like why? Like why like Braxton yeah. Braxton Garrett looked I mean, for what he is as a pitcher, I thought he looked as good in the first two innings as Zach Wheeler did for a majority of last night. 
Lewis, it struck me. Sorry, Lewis. It struck me as overcompensating um, with a quick hook. Of course, you have yes. to have a quick hook. And he knew that you have to have a quick hook. But that was way, way too quick. He panicked. He knew that he it was an elimination game. He saw his pitcher give up two runs. And he said, shoot, I got to do something. It's and it was way too quick. being on a first date, farting, and then leaving because you're embarrassed. That's what I literally thought Skip felt like with Brax right there. He gave up two runs. The second one, you know, it was a hard hit ball up the middle off his glove. But, I mean, for the most part, like, like if he gave you four or five innings of two runs, I mean, who knows what happened to those other innings. I, that's such an early hook. And I wonder if in a truthful moment with Skip, like, off the record, I wonder if months from now he would admit whether or not that was a good call. To me, that seemed like a rookie, literally a rookie mistake by a manager. It's not the magnanimity of Blake Snell in Game Six of the 2020 World Series. It's, but it is for this team when their chances are so paper thin, atomically thin. Then you, it, it's magnified in that regard because it means more to that team than it does, in a, for like another team, especially in a shorter series. Right. But it just doesn't. It yeah. didn't. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, who are the dudes that got you here? Is it David Robertson or is it Braxton Garrett? Exactly. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, Carver, this isn't so. an Edward Cabrera situation where he's liable to blow up at any point. Uh, uh, Braxton Garrett has been very good for you this year, and you're gonna take him off the mat. You're gonna take your most consistent pitcher all year off the mat because he gave up two runs in three innings. Again, I would love to ask Skip, you know, respectfully. What were your expectations for Brax? If you're going to pull him after two runs and three innings, what were you hoping for him to do tonight? I don't like, is it an innings control thing? Like, why does that matter at this point? He throws 91 to 92. There's a lot less stress on your elbow and your, and your arm as a whole with those kind of pitches, albeit it's the postseason things are magnified, but you're telling me that you're trying to preserve a guy like in a series where you're trying to move on where he's going to pitch more. Like, I don't think 20 more pitches and one more inning of work would have hurt. No, and I'm sure that's not what it was. It wasn't at this stage, at this moment, I've, it was not about the, the being a young pitcher. It was more so, I think this spoke to what they thought, what he thought of Robertson at this stage, that he was convinced enough by recent weeks to think that Robertson, along with Nardi and Scott, obviously that those three were the guys that he wanted to go down fighting with if this game as the fact that they brought in took out Braxton when the game was still relatively close thinking we have to stop them here and that if I go to these relievers that all of them were hot to end the season that they give me the best chance to throw up zeros the rest of the way then then Braxton does the second time through a lineup even if Braxton is good at this stage when there's no margin for error I think that just speaks to where he was in terms of his confidence in Robertson at this stage of the season. And honestly, when I saw it happen, I wasn't all that surprised nor um, disagreeable with it, but you guys have kind of pulled me over more towards the middle on that, where I, I really do see both sides in this because Braxton this deep into the year, we've, he's just been he's so consistent. It's very rare for him to 
give up runs and bunches in this situation. And one thing I kept harping on these last few days is the importance of home runs that the Marlins weren't going to win this game or any game or the series unless they hit homers and they didn't hit any homers. And you're really not going to fall behind too much in the postseason unless you're allowing homers. And Braxton, even though he was hit hard, he kept the ball down in the zone and he looked so great that first time through the lineup. It's not as if he had no chance going deeper into the game as well. So the, yeah, the more that I think about it, um, I would have probably stuck with Brax a little bit longer in this situation. There was just no good answer just because the lack of offense put so much pressure on skip and everybody else. He earned this opportunity to start in this game. And it looks, I, I do want to reiterate how sharp he looked early on. He struck out for the first six guys he faced, um, including Harper, including Schwarber. It was, um, it looked really nice early on. And um, yeah, so it's not his fault that they lost this for sure. Yeah. And, and I, I I'll mean, say this. If, if, if this was like Edward Cabrera, for example, I, I would agree with taking him out, keep the leash short, go with Robertson there. Because Edward, you never know. He could blow up at any moment. And I think I think Lewis said that. But like, if this was Edward Cabrera, fine, do it. But not with Braxton Garrett, who hasn't walked that many batteries all season he has like a 183 walks per nine he doesn't Kevin, he had nights. the He's second get... lowest walk rate for a pitcher with 150 innings pitched in a season in marlin's history i mean you're talking about Very elite good. control yeah if and, you look uh, at the yeah. mapping though like if you look at the mapping tonight especially if it's breaking pitch the slider he had it early like eli said but there's a lot of pitches in the dirt so it kind of comes down to the fact that maybe Skip thought he was losing it, and he didn't have his best pitch. And, you know, that is his best pitch. Is that breaking pitch? Is that his best pitch? You know, he kind of had the cutter a little bit. Fastball was okay. Uh, zone didn't do him any favors, as we talked about before. Um, so maybe he was a little bit frustrated on the mound as well. So maybe that's what he saw. But as we all said, to, to go away from the main guy or this one of the main guys that got you here, to go to two innings, potentially three of Robertson, like as Lewis said, who hasn't done that in a long time, I didn't get it. Um, I, I wasn't about that. Um, you got to let Braxton at least at least run a little bit longer there, in my opinion. So it's going to be interesting to see what his comments are. But here we are. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a new season in 2024. We're going to be out at spring training, and we're going to see how this Marlins team looks. Maybe it looks a lot different, as Kevin said before, with Soler and Bell especially, but we'll see. In my interactions with Skip, and you know, obviously he's not one to shy away from giving credit where credit's due to both players and the coaches in the front office for the overall sense of collaboration that they have together. I have to think that a situation like this was something that was discussed beforehand and that this was likely a predetermined decision if they felt that they got down by, say, two or three runs early, that this was going to be the course, the plan of attack that they would ride with and that they weren't going to let Brax work too deep into games. But, you know, I'm not really adding anything else beyond the fact of what you guys were saying, that, you know, if this is your starter, um, you kind of have to ride him. I mean, look if you looked at Logan Webb in, like, 2021, he's a, he's another comparable example to Brax, albeit I think he's a, a better pitcher. He was somebody who was, like, a fringe big league starter before 2021, and then... You know, he kind of has that great year in 21. And the Giants, you know, almost won the division series over the Dodgers with him because he gave him, you know, seven-plus innings of one two-run ball. 
Um, and they're in that position because they're trusting those guys. And, you know, Webb's held up over the years. And, you know, I'm not necessarily comparing the two as pitchers, but I think it's a similar situation where, you know, sometimes guys, like players believe in the narrative of like a moment defining them and maybe being that kind of gateway to them further breaking out. And I don't know if Brax would, you know, subscribe to that rhetoric, but I would think that he would have been somebody who was up for the challenge. And like, and if you saw, and like I said, the way he looked those first couple of innings, like he looked locked in, like after starting Schwarber three, one, and then coming back to strike him out. Like he looked like really good against a really good lineup. So, yeah, I mean, listen, we're, we could kind of just dance back around at this a million times, but that is a disappointment. Maybe for me as somebody who's enjoyed watching him, pitch just as much as anybody this year um to see him only go three innings is just especially when he's been your most consistent starter outside of Lazardo. It, it it hurts but um you know you know i'm i'm glad we got the season that we did for both him and i guess everybody else for the most part like again i can't be that upset with the outcome just with what precipitated it tonight yep so there it is yeah, the end of uh, the season. Braxton Garrett gets a start. Tanner Scott, the final Marlins pitcher that was used. Josh Bell drove in the final run of this game. And, and Jazz Chisholm made the final out of the season. He struck out looking. I think that's what it was. Struck out, I know, at the very end of it. So it was, yeah, Jazz is one other guy in particular that he had that great defensive playing in game one, but otherwise a quiet series from him for a player that the Marlins we're hoping as long as he's healthy, he can be a star for us. And this year, you know, we saw some flashes of it. That'll be a fascinating circumstance to look forward to in the offseason in terms of how exactly they view him, how they value him, and um, what his future holds on this team. Because the bottom line is they lost this series because they couldn't hit one run in each game. And as I mentioned with this game, it came in the lowest leverage situation possible, but it was already so far out of hands. And a couple of their key hitters might are no guarantee to return. So it's going to be crucial to either keep them around or find creative ways to replace them or find ways to make your guys better. That's one thing this organization still needs to show. They showed in some cases you saw it this year about simply making players better, whether it's with how they prepare for games or how it is that just tapping into their strengths as offensive players. Uh, as great as the season was, it was miraculous that they made it this far as the lowest scoring team in the National League. It was such an anomaly. And uh, if they're going to make it this far again next year, it'll probably have to look a little different in terms of uh, how they go about it. Of course, we'll have that covered in great detail on uh, Fish on First. We're going to have... A I believe on Thursday, we're going to have a state of the fish with Grant Kiefer and a bunch of us. So uh, we have the particulars on that, of course, sent out on the site and then on, on Twitter, we'll update everybody. So yeah, keep, keep following us. Cause there is, there is honestly not a day that goes by that. I don't think about the Marlins in some respect and have some sort of coverage involving them. Our series review series, a season review series, it gets going in full stream and just, the next couple of days and that takes us all through October and November. And then from there it's about the hot stove and we we're lasering in on all the little decisions from the Arizona fall league to um, the Venezuelan winter league <laughs> to, to all, all the off season machinations on 
every level of this organization. We bring you conversations with people in and out of the organization, current and former people, members of that organization. In some ways, there's a lot of things we can do during the offseason that we can't do during the season that we think bring a lot of entertainment and insight into uh, where this organization was and, and where they're going. So we have to just keep uh, supporting us over there. Um, follow us on all our many places, but the easiest place to, to, to stay on top of everything is go to fishonfirst.com. You've become a super subscriber, and not only does that support us, but it gives you little pings every time that we produce new content. You get notified about that as well. So that's how you stay on top of everything. It's a big crew that we got here, and I'm so grateful for them to help us get through this year. I know the way it is, there are some people that dip out once the baseball season ends, but I hope for the majority of people, and especially those that are wired like me, there are a lot of you out there that think about this team all the time. I think we're the place to go for that. We're always going to scratch that itch that you have for uh, Marlon's content. So we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to pick it up very soon on our many platforms. We're still going to be doing heavy use of StreamYard in our streaming services moving forward. So, yeah, this is not a goodbye. This is just a one end, the close of a chapter, one very particular chapter on the 31st season of Marlins baseball. Kevin Barral, Alex Krawczyk, Alex Carver, Louis Adio Weiss, Eli Sussman here on the official show, Fish on First podcast. Keep listening to us um, and stay tuned for whatever is next. They can go in so many different directions with this organization. We appreciate your support so much. Go Fish. Go Fish.